morning. My name is Mikey. I am the associate pastor here. And I just want to say uh, we're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, um, we are glad and excited that you are here. Uh, our lead pastor will be back uh, in a couple weeks, and we would love for you to meet him. And so please plan on coming back. Today we are starting uh, a new series called I'm Fine. Not really. Um, how many of us have ever um, said these words, I'm fine, but really deep down we're like, mm, not really though. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next month is this, uh, is this reality that in our world today, we've got um, mental health issues that are happening across the board. Christian, non-Christian, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, like there, there is mental health issues that are happening and, and our, our pastor is going to... Um, touch on a number of those through this series. And so um, just like Morgan said, I would encourage you over the next month, just plan on being here. Plan on being in person, just being here, attending so that you can hear um, what God has to say, what the Bible has to say, and what church has to say about these issues that are happening. Because I believe that we can truly find healing. We can try and find freedom um, in the midst of just some terrible uh, just mental health things. And so um, I would also encourage you, uh, this is a great time to bring a friend. It's a great time to bring someone, bring a friend, a coworker, a family member, because uh, like I said, this, this issue is something that is just rampant in our culture um, everywhere. And so people, whether they're dealing with it themselves, um, they probably know someone that is. Um, and so I would encourage you to um, invite someone, be here, and, and, and join us over the next few weeks. Well, today I believe that, that God has a, a special message for us. I think that um, as I've been praying and, and seeking and just saying, God, what, what do you want me to teach? Uh, he, he, he put something on my heart that was like, oh, that one hurts. Um, but okay, I'll do it. And, um, and so what our, one of our values is vulnerability is, um, is our uh, Vulnerability is our culture. And so well, that's one of our values. And, and we, we, we value vulnerability. And so I'm going to be vulnerable today. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, a deep, dark secret, the one that has been, even as a pastor, has been um, plaguing me and has been causing me and, and changing the way I interact with Jesus, the way I interact with church, the way I interact with people. Um, and that deep, dark secret is this. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And when I say that, like, this is the whole series is about this idea of I'm fine, but not really. But, but what I want to talk about this morning is, is that I'm fine, and I'm actually, I'm fine with being fine. You know what I mean? Like, that we, um, I mean, how many times have we said, um, I'm fine. I'm not good. I'm not bad. I'm just fine. And what if I told you this morning that maybe, maybe being fine, maybe being okay, maybe being you know, not good or bad. Maybe, maybe that's a way that our enemy is actually trying to put a stumbling block between what, what we, where we are and what God actually has for us. And I believe that, that if, we can, if we get comfortable with this idea of being fine, being okay, just being, then I think we miss out on what God actually has for us. That he's saying, no, I don't want you to just be fine. I want you to experience me in a way that brings life. I want you to experience life to the full. But often we get stuck in just fine. I remember um, back when I was about 15 years old. 
a while ago, uh, but I was about 15 years old, I hit a growth spurt. I grew to about where I'm at now. I uh, haven't grown since. This is, this is just this is what it is. So, um, but, but I remember that summer, I was like, man, I think I'm tall enough. I think I'm tall enough. I think I'm ready. And what I was talking about was that there was a, a it was called Splashtown. Um, it's a Six Flags water park in, um, in Texas that um, was just a big deal. Like, we loved going. All my friends would go. Our ba- my baseball team, we'd be like, let's go. And we, we'd go with friends, brothers, whoever. We were just like, hey, let's go to Splashtown. It's, some of the rides are sketchy. It's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll survive. It's okay. Um, but let's go. And every year I would walk by, I would just walk by and look at this one slide called the Texas Freefall. Yeah, it was exactly that. The Texas Freefall. Um, this Texas Freefall, this water slide was eight stories high. Um, and it, I think they, they, they think they said that it goes about 60 miles an hour down. Um, and you're, you're not, it's not a roller coaster. You are on a water slide going down. And it like, it is sketchy, I would imagine. Um, and I, I mean, the, the rumors went around in Texas and our Texas, we think we're better than everyone, but we, we were like, this is the best roller, this is the best water slide in the world. It's probably the highest one in the whole world. It's probably the fastest, all these things. And so that's the, that's the message we were like. And so all of my buddies, we were just super pumped about it. We were scared. And every year I was like, man, I'm not tall enough. And I'm like this far from not being tall enough. I'm like, darn, uh, I'll be back next year. But this year, 15 years old, I'm like, okay, I'm tall enough. I don't have any excuses. All of my buddies were like, I'm not doing it. We're going to go get popcorn and a soda. I'm like, fine, I'm doing it. And so I climbed that stairs. I climbed eight stories of stairs, thousands of stairs. I don't know how many there were. Just a bunch. I got to the top, and I was, I was standing in line. I've got about 10 people in front of me, and I'm hearing the, the lifeguard over and over. The man did not like his job, but what he said was, cross your arms, cross your legs, head back, Go. Cross your arms, cross your legs, head back, go over and over and over to the people in line because they were saying if you, you had to cross your legs because if you didn't, you like went down like spread eagle, then you would like come up off of the slide because it was going fast and you'd like raise up off of it and you could, anyways. Um, and so he was saying, cross your legs, cross your arms, head back, go uh, over and over and over again. What me. So over and over again, I don't know what I'm doing. Over and over again, just cross your arms, cross your legs, head back and go. And the person in front of me, a girl that was much shorter than me, I don't know how she got on the ride, but she went and I got up there. There's a platform. I had to step into the platform, put my hands on the, on the top. And I looked down. I couldn't even see, I couldn't even see the slide below it. Like, like you tried to look over and it just went down and straight down and I couldn't even see the actual slide. And I was like, Okay. No, I'm out. And I literally, I walked away. I, I went down. I, I did the walk of shame. I walked down the steps, the eight flights of steps, and I didn't go down the, I didn't go down the slide. I got a lot of uh, cold sh- shoulders as I walked by, and people were just like, loser, whatever. And I got a couple of people that were like, I get it, man. I get it. I wish I could do that, but I'm with my friend, or whatever. And so I just walked down the steps, met up with my buddies, and they're like, dude, how was the slide? How, how was the Texas free fall? We've been talking about this for, for years. How was it? And I was like, it's fine. They're like, excuse me? It's fine. What are you talking about? It, 
It's the Texas free. You're going 60 miles an hour down eight flights, eight stories. Like, it's not fine. And I was like, oh, I didn't actually go down the ride. I just walked back. I was like, oh, okay, I get you now. And so as I was thinking about this, I was reminded, I was reminded of the church. I was reminded that, that Jesus came to earth. He, he, in John 10, 10, he came to earth and he said, I have come, talking to his disciples, talking to his guys. He's saying, hey, I've come to earth. I've, I've come here so that you can have life and life to the full. Life to the full. I've come to, so that you can experience that, but so often we as the church, we as, we as believers, we're like, I'm fine. And honestly, I'm okay with it. I'm fine. And I feel like the enemy is just saying, man, if I could just convince some people that it's just okay to be fine, it's okay that that's, that's where you're at, that maybe I can just rob them of what God actually has for them, what Jesus actually has come and died and, and said, I've died for you to have this experience. I've died so that you could have joy to the, you could have joy beyond joy. You could have joy in the midst of pain. You could have peace in the midst of a chaotic world. He's saying, I've come so that you would not just be fine, but that you would thrive. You would be my children. You'd be my, you'd be my sons and my daughters. Like, we get to be that with God. But so often, we find ourselves, we find ourselves in church, and, and we find ourselves just saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mark 10, 17 through 31 is a story that I want to read for us this morning. I want to read in light of what we're talking about, about being fine. And it says this, it's Jesus, it's talking about Jesus. In verse 17, he says, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And then Jesus responded in 19, he says, You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And, and, and he replied, the, the man, young man said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The story is talking about a rich, young ruler, a man that had wealth, had health, had power. This man was in, me, in need of nothing. So often what I think sometimes when we, when we say we're fine is that, you know what, sometimes we're saying, I'm fine. I don't need anything. I'm, I'm, I've, got my, I've got my things figured out. I've got, I've got my everything figured. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. I don't... Or we're just saying that because we don't want to talk about it, or we're saying that because we want to just move on with, we don't don't want to talk to that person, whatever it was. And Jesus is saying to this man, he's saying, I see that you're fine. I see that you're fine, but 
But what I want for you is something more than that. What I want for you is something deeper than that. It was, it was interesting. If you keep reading that story, um, the disciples actually say, Jesus, how, how can any of us experience what, what you're saying? How can any of us experience eternal life, like true life, if not even that man can't experience it? Like that man's got his, he's got his things going. Like he's got his ducks in a row. He, he's got it figured out. He's young. He's He's healthy. He's, he's wealthy. He's powerful. Like, he's got it going on. How can we experience you if he can't even experience you? And I think Jesus is trying to show them something. And I don't know if you've caught it or not, but Jesus said, don't you know the commandments? Responding to the rich young ruler. He said, don't you know the commandments? And they would have known them. They would have known that, yeah, there's 10 commandments. that came down on a tablet. And, um, but how many did Jesus share with them? He shared six. I don't know if you caught that or not, but Jesus shared six commandments with him. He said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud anyone, and you should honor your father and mother. Jesus is talking to this young man, and he's saying, hey, you're doing all of these things. That's what you said you're doing. That's great. I left out four intentionally because these six have to deal with life. They have to deal with people. They have to deal with how you interact with the world, how you, how you engage with the world. But what about the other four? What are the other four? The other four are these. Have no other gods before me. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Do not, have, do not bow down to any idols. You're saying, you're doing good as far as these six go, but you're missing something. The four. What are the four about? The four about your relationship with me. Your relationship with me. He's saying, yeah, you've got, you're fine as far as what, what you see in front of you, but what I want for you is deeper than that. I want you to have an intimacy with me. I want you to have a connection with me. Honor me as your Lord. Honor me as your, as your God. He's saying, yeah, you're not, you don't have any of the, the family issues. You've got things figured out. You, you're not killing anyone. Good. Recommended. Um, you're not stealing. You're not murdering. Good. But he's saying, you're not doing the other four. He's saying, what I want is, is that I want you to honor and have intimacy and trust me. I love it. Could it be, I mean, I'll say it again. Could it be that Jesus was saying, I see that you're doing great. You're young, you're rich, you're powerful. You have no need. You're doing good to love your neighbors. You're a nice person. You don't steal. You don't have any murder. You even honor your, mother, your um, father and mother. But do you trust me enough? Am I good enough to where you would say, you know what, I can sell everything and trust you? And the man said, no. What I know is, is that some of us this morning we don't have a gaping mental health issue or a deep, dark secret that nobody knows about, that we're not out selling crack on the street or anything like that, but I do know that what, what's happening is some of us are in here and we're just saying, I'm fine, I don't have any of those issues, but you know what? I don't have intimacy with Jesus. I don't have that connection with Jesus that actually changes everything, that actually makes this all make sense, that I'm missing that. Jesus says, sell it all. I'm worth it. I promise. I promise. He says, I promise. Give it all away. I'll provide what you need. I'll give you what you need. Sell it all. I'm worth it. I'm worth it. 
My message this morning is, is that I don't want us to fight to be fine. To have, I want us to fight to have the abundant life. I don't want us to fight to be just okay. I want us to, to fight to say, hey, I want to know Jesus more and more. If I were to ask someone, if I were to ask many of you, myself included, if I were to ask us this, the, today, right now, if I were to ask you, hey, how is, how is your intimacy? How is your connection? How is your relationship with Jesus? How's it going? How's it going? Not, not your church attendance, not how often are you coming to church, not how often are you looking at your Bible and reading your Bible, but how, how is your intimacy with Jesus? How is it? In the same way, in case I get thirsty, I've got milk, just kidding. Um, but in the same way, if someone were to ask me, hey, Mikey, how's your marriage? And my response was, is I go home every day. My attendance is great at home. I don't ever talk to my wife. Um, I don't ever spend time. I think Jesus is talking to this man and saying, are you fine? Is that all you're, is that all you're coming for? We've got a question I want to ask us this, uh, this morning. And so one of those questions that I don't want, you don't have to answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. But how many of us, if, if we got an extra $1,000 in our bank account every month, would feel more peace about that than if we experienced the Holy Spirit every morning of our life? Do you know what I'm saying? How many of us, if, if, we, if, we, if we had an extra $1,000 a month that just came in, just wherever, we would have more peace about life. We'd have more, more comfort in life than if we were to experience the Holy Spirit in a, in a true, tangible, real way every single morning. Because I know for me, man, if I, if I, if I got an extra $1,000 a month, I'd have more peace in my life, I think, I hope. I'd be able to pay my bills a little bit better. I'd be able to, I'd be able to save. I'd be able to invest in Dogecoin or whatever. I'd be able to, to do these things but then I'm missing the fact of, but if, I have, if I've got the Holy Spirit present in my life every single morning when I wake up, shouldn't that bring me so much more joy and peace and patience and kindness? Man, I hope that, hope that when we leave here today, we aren't seeking after being fine, being okay. Bills are paid. Kids are good. Kids are in school. Work's fine. But we leave here saying, man, I've got to, I've got to be with Jesus more. I've got, to, I've got to know that person more. Everything else we'll figure out. I've got to know him more. Revelation 3. Um, Revelation 3, uh, verse 15 through 17 is a, is a letter that Jesus is actually writing to the churches. And, and in this letter, it's, he, he's saying like, hey, here's some things that I'm, I'm worried about. Here's some things that concern me. Here's some things that I just want to warn you. I just want, you to, I just want to warn you and say, hey, here's what I see. And, and I want us to read this this morning as we kind of think through this idea of, of being fine and just being okay. And Jesus is saying, he says, I know your works. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. 
would that you rather either be cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. For you say, for you say, I am rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus is speaking to this church, and he says, I hold this against you. You are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. And because of that, I spit you out of my mouth, even though you say, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm rich. I'm prosper. I've prospered. I need nothing. I'm fine. And Jesus is saying, no, you're missing it. I don't want you to stay at being fine. I don't want you to stay. I don't want you to be okay with just being lukewarm. I want you to experience it. I want you to go down the slide. I want you to experience the slide the way it's supposed to be designed. Not just get up there and walk down and be like, ah, I don't know. But I want us to hear this first. Though, that my, my, the message that I believe God has for us this morning is, is not for us to feel bad about our riches or our things, or comfort, or any, I promise, I, that isn't, I love, I love all those things. I, I love to be comfortable. Like, it's great. But if that's not the message this morning. The message isn't that those are bad and sinful. The message is that that can't be the goal. That can't be the end of, end all, be all. There's got to be something more. There's got to be like a, a deeper desire that we're saying, no, 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 that I can have, and that I can receive, and I can be with, but that's going to lead me to more intimacy with Jesus, more closeness with Jesus, more, more time to where it's real, it's not just, a, it's not a game. We're not just playing around, but it's, no, I'm, I'm with God. I think that sometimes what can happen is that if we find ourselves in this state of being fine too long, I think some dangerous things can happen. And so I know um, I'm not John Mark, uh, but he is in the uh, military. He, uh, he was in the Coast Guard for a long time. Um, I myself was not, and so I don't have any of those stories, but uh, I was in a form of the military. Uh, I was a manager at Starbucks for about 10 years or so, and so I learned a lot of things um, while I was there. I learned a lot of things uh, at Starbucks. Um, you know, people love their coffee a very specific way, but um, one of the things I learned that I thought was fascinating was this, is that milk, um, milk temperatures have a danger zone. Did you know that? That they had a zone of temperature that was dangerous. Um, and that zone is 40 degrees Fahrenheit up to 140 degrees of Fahrenheit. So if it's below 40 degrees, so if it's colder than 40 degrees, you're safe. And if it's hotter than 140 degrees, then you're safe. But if you're in between those temperatures, they call it the danger zone. And I thought about that and I was like, man, that, that, that'll speak to, to us as the church. That'll speak to us as Christians to say, hey, there is a danger zone for us. So if we find ourselves just being fine with being fine, if we find ourselves just being lukewarm, we're neither hot nor cold, we're just lukewarm. We're just kind of in the middle. There's a danger about that. And so I've got three things that I think are dangerous about that. The first one is this, is you taste horrible. I know, that's kind of weird. But who's ever bought a $9 coffee drink and had it in their car, and then they get to the store, and they run into the store, completely forget about your coffee, and you come out, and you take a drink of your coffee, and you're like, oh, this is not good. 
no matter what temperature it was, if it sat there and now it's like this room temperature kind of, you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like someone had it in their mouth, spit it back into the drink, and then you drink. I don't know. It's, it's just kind of gross. Um, or, and I, I hate to bring this up, but who's ever been, who remembers in middle school or high school when you're sitting at the, co- at the lunch table and you're sitting there and you're, you're trying to get this little carton of milk open that they've given you and you, you, you pry it open, you pull the thing out, you take a big swig of it and you're like, oh, that's a chewy one. There's, cr- there's something else in there. That is nasty. I remember uh, middle school, seventh, seventh or eighth grade year, uh, I was sitting in front of this girl that I liked. And who knows that if, if when you take a drink of that milk, you've got two options. One, you spit that milk out and make a fool, whatever, get it, unfortunately, on them. Or you down that. And I had that, that choice, and I, I went with the, the right decision. I downed it. I was like, all right. And, um, but I remember drinking that milk and thinking, this is the worst milk, this is the worst taste I've ever tasted in my entire life. Uh, to where I was like, I don't want milk anymore unless it's after the cereal, then I'll drink the milk. Other than that, I don't want milk. Now I love it. But it tastes horrible. What happens, Christians, when we find ourselves fine for too long is that we become tasteless to the world. The world sees us and they're like, well, why would I want anything to do with Jesus? They've got to give up half of their weekend for this guy. Is that worth it? Because I, I, I watch them in, I watch them in day-to-day life. I watch them come into work. I watch them at home. I watch them um, with friends. And they're the exact same as me. They've got no extra joy in their life. They've got no extra um, anything in their life. They're just, they're just as angry as I am. They, they, they treat each other the same. They talk bad. I mean, we, we do these things. We, we, lose our, our, we lose our saltiness. Jesus even says, taste and see that I am good. Jesus says that. He says, church, be something that tastes good to the world. Be something that, that, that tastes good to the world so that when people interact with you, they're not interacting with a person that's like, I'm fine. But they're interacting with someone that has the Holy Spirit filled up in them, living a passionate uh, life that is like, man, I want whatever that guy is on. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, what good are you? If we stay in this state of just being fine, like, I'm I'm fine. I'm going to go to church. I'm here. But we lose if we stay there for too long, we become, we taste horrible. Jesus says, I'd rather you be hot or cold rather than just right in the middle. The second thing, the second thing that happens is something grows in you. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if you know or not, but the danger of lukewarm milk is, is that um, milk can grow dangerous bacteria that makes us sick. And we drink the milk and it has microscopic bacteria that grows all over it, and, and, we, and it poisons us as we drink it. It poisons us from the inside out. When we're fine or we're luke, lukewarm for too long, we begin to grow things in us. We begin to grow things in us that actually are killing us from the inside out, robbing us from the life that Jesus is actually saying, no, 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 what I want for you is where you are intimate with you. You're, 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 you're with me. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're not just... I'm fine. But, but for so many, when we stay in that state too long, something else grows in us. Could be something, something like, well, well, this is as good as life can get. 
This is as good as marriage is. I mean, marriage is just, that's just it. It's fine. This is as good as, as friendship can be. Or it's Jesus, I mean, Jesus is good. I mean, he's a good guy, but doesn't really, doesn't really do anything for me. Like, doesn't really do anything for me. Or I'm not like those weird spiritual people that are, whatever, it begins to grow in us. We're like, eh, that's just not me. Or I don't need others. I'm fine. Or everyone is miserable. Like, everyone's miserable, so why would I be any different? Or my relationship with Jesus, it's just an obligation to get to heaven. These things begin to grow in us. We begin to believe them. Christianity is boring. It just robs me. What grows in us when we get comfortable with being fine is not the life God has promised for us. Jesus says, don't pray before dinner in bed and just be cool with it. He says, pray without ceasing. He says, don't stop praying. Every room you walk into, pray because you know you can change the culture and the climate of that room. Don't just pray for food. Do pray for food. Do pray for going to bed. Pray for your kids. Pray over your kids. Pray on long trips. Do all the things, but don't stop there. Jesus is saying, yeah, do those things, but also pray in every scenario, everywhere you go. You know, Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to, you know, come clean and admit like, oh yeah, I've been having these problems or those problems or whatever. He wants us to actually be able to say, no, I live in complete freedom. I live in complete satisfaction and freedom and I don't, but sometimes we're just like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in a, like an accountability group and I told the guys and we're good. No, he's saying, I want you to just be in complete freedom from that. When we stay in this state for too long, something grows in us that's robbing us from what God has designed for us. And lastly, the third way that, third thing that happens to us is when, when we stay in this state too long is uh, no one knows. No one knows. And if you see my milks up here, one of them's hot. One of them's cold, and one of them's lukewarm. Which one's which? We don't know. The scary thing is that there's some of us in here this morning that, that you've been living in this state for so long that the closest people around you don't even know. They don't even realize it. They don't even, they, they didn't even, they don't even know that that's how it is. You know what's even scarier? Some of you may not even know. What happens when we stay in this state too long is that intentionally or unintentionally, we begin to isolate ourselves from everyone else. We begin to put up, maybe we put up a front to look spiritual, but not actually be spiritual. Or maybe we put up a front to say, yeah, I'm okay, but really I'm not okay. But I'm not going to say anything because I don't have any big, gaping, ugly issues. I just feel fine. And so we just, we isolate intentionally or unintentionally. What happens is that we find ourselves where we even forget what it was like to, to know Jesus and to, well, the first time we experienced him. There's this incredible show out right now called The Chosen. Um, it's the first multi-season TV show about the life and ministry of Jesus. And it's not like a, a cheesy one or something. It's, it's incredible. Um, the study that went into it, the, back, the background, that went, it is incredible. It's on YouTube. I would encourage you to watch it. But, but they just released season two. 
And at the beginning of this season, you, you, it just kind of like opens up to this like, looks like an interview, um, an interview of all of the disciples or whatever. And what you realize is that the disciple John is interviewing all of the disciples and the women and the tax collectors and all the people that interacted with Jesus. But this is after his death. And he's asking this question. He's saying, what was it like the first time you met Jesus? What was, what was it like the first time you heard his voice, the first time he called to you? What was it like? And these men and women and hardened criminals and tax collectors were weeping. They were crying. They were saying, I, I just remember that he said everything about my life that, that I've never told anyone. And it was just beautiful. And, he, and they were just crying. Sometimes what happens to us is when we say we're fine for too long, we, we're, we just get comfortable in the lukewarm, is, is that, that we forget our first love. We forget what it's like to actually interact and engage and, and be intimate and close and, and connected to Jesus in a real way. Revelation 3.1 says that you have the reputation of being alive, but you're not. Jesus says, wake up and strengthen what remains. When we stay in this state of I'm fine for too long, again, we unintentionally or intentionally trick everyone around us, and often we trick ourselves, and we find ourselves alone. So what does Jesus want for us? What does Jesus want for us? I said it earlier. He says it in John 10.10. He says, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters. He says, I have come that you have life and have it to the full. I have come that you have life and have it abundantly. Have it to the full. Life in that word is, is zoe. It is life to the full. It is a full, rich, overflowing life. It is saying, hey, I want to give you life that you can have joy in the midst of pain, uh, peace in the midst of chaos. I want you to experience this life. That's what Jesus says. He says, I didn't go to the cross so that you could just make it through your work day and be like, I'm fine. He says, no, I've come so that you have life and that you can share that life with every single person that you come into contact with. And that you can, you can, it can be contagious to people who are like, man, I need what that guy's got. Jesus is saying, that's why I've come. That's why we worship God. It's not a, it's not a duty that we have to do. It's a, re, it's a response that we get to do. Maybe for some of us, that question, that's the question, is we say, hey, is this a duty? Is this something I have to do, or is this something I get to do? I get to come to church. I get to be here. I get to be around other believers. I get to be in the presence of God. I get to worship God, truly worship him. He says, I don't want you to just be fine. I want you to live life full. And so I want to end with this question, the same question that the rich young ruler asked. I want us to ask that now. We'll say, hey, Jesus, how then? How then can I have this life? How then can I have this eternal life? I was on, a, I was on an airplane recently. If you've ever been on an airplane, you know what I mean. But when the student in the era... Stewardess gets up, what do we all do? We put our headphones in, right? We, we know that, okay, I know it's about to happen. 
the, the stewardess is going to get up. She's going to start telling us how to buckle a seatbelt, um, which, okay. Um, but she's also going to tell us that you know, when you put your mask on, make sure you put your mask on, yours on first, and then kids. And then, hey, and by the way, your, your, your seat floats. And so if we need it, um, then, then it floats. And so, you know, there's a light somewhere. I don't, I don't know, somewhere around there, there's a light that you need if you need that. But, but I know I've, I've been on a plane for so long. Like, I've been riding planes since I was like seven or eight years old. And so I'm like, I don't need to hear this. I'm good. Put my headphones in, start watching some Marvel movie probably. But I was just, you know, I'm ready, I'm just, I'm ready to play. I'm ready to go on the plane. Let's go. I don't need to hear this. And my fear is, is that that's what's about to happen. So hear me. I don't, want, I don't want you to put your headphones in right now. Listen, even though what I'm about to say may sound like buckling your seatbelt, I get it. Even though what I'm about to say may sound like, hey, put your mask on first. I get it, but listen, let's lean in. Let's, let's actually hear, let's actually say, okay, if this is, if we want the life that is to the full and the way to get there is right in front of us, then let's do it. Let's take hold of it and let's do it. The first thing, the first thing that if we want this life is no scripture, no scripture. we know the Bible, we don't just read it. What I mean is, is that we don't just read the Bible, but we, we know it. James says, don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. When I say know the Bible, I, I don't mean just, just read the Bible. I don't mean just, okay, I've got, I've got a plan, which, by the way, read the Bible. <laughs> don't hear me say don't read it, but read the Bible have a plan, know what it is. But here's the next step is do the Bible. Know the Bible so well that you begin to do the Bible. You live it out. Imagine if, if we were a church that, that we knew the Bible so well that we were just, we were living the Bible. That we knew the, the verse in James where it says, be, be, be slow or be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. What if we were like, hey, I've read that verse. I know that verse. But now I'm going, to know, I'm going to know it to the point where I'm doing it, where I'm living it out. I'm saying, hey, what if we were a church that was a church that, that we were quick listeners? I mean, what if that's how people thought? They're like, man, that church, they listen so well. How weird would that be in our world? Or what if we were a church that, that it says to love your neighbors and we genuinely love our neighbors? We don't just, we don't just tolerate them, but we love them. We love our enemies. We, we show compassion. We show joy. We, we give compassion to, to our enemies. People that have treated us poorly, treated us unfairly, unjustly, we say, hey, instead of that, I'm going to respond with joy. I'm going to respond with grace. What if we were a church that we said, hey, we are not hearers of the word only. We're not going to just listen to Pastor John Mark. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to walk out of here and we're going to do it. The first thing is, is that we know the Bible. The second one is, is getting community. Getting community. We say it all the time. We are not meant to do this alone. We find freedom in community. We have life groups happening in the summer. Guys, do you understand that we don't do life groups because they're fun and they're easy and they're just a good way to hang out? We do them because they are life-saving. Hear me. We do them because they are life-saving because people are desperate for community. People are desperate to be in a circle with someone to where they're known by someone. 
We don't just do them to play a spike ball game or to work out or to, to eat or to go on a hike. We do those because we find freedom there. We find the, the spot where we say, hey, this is life to the full where I get to speak and talk and someone responds. And guys, we need life group leaders. We need you to lead, not because we want to feel good. We need you to lead for it's a life and death situation. We need people to lead so that people can find community and so people can know that God, there is a God that is bigger and gooder and better than anything this world has to offer. So the second thing is, is we get into community. We find community. We seek it out. We don't wait for it to come to us. We seek out community. And lastly... Is pray. As much as it hurts me to say it, but I know that's a cliche thing to say in church. Pray. And it breaks my heart that it is. Because I wish that when we prayed, we knew who we were talking to. I talk to the students all the time when, you know, I'll say, hey guys, hey, hey, hey we're, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Middle school, high school students, I'm like, hey, we're going to pray. Close your eyes now. Before we start praying, think about who we're about to pray to. This morning, when I say let's pray, or we need to pray, I don't mean like just, just throw up a prayer, hey, help, my, help me find my dog. No, I'm saying we need to pray like saying, hey, I need to know that, that the God of the universe, the God that created my mouth that I'm about to speak out of is actually listening to what I'm saying and responds and actually hears and wants to be in connection with me, wants to be in relationship with me. That when I say pray, I'm not just saying let's just flippantly pray, but let's just sit and let's pray. When I say pray, it means, hey, get with your friends and begin to talk with each other. Begin to pray with each other. James, James says, um, therefore confess your sins to each other, one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When we say pray, this isn't just a yeah, the church, we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to buckle our seatbelt. No, we are to pray. Prayer is our power. Prayer is our gift. Prayer is our joy. I love the, the next part of that James verse. It's probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. It's James 5.17. And James is writing and he's saying, hey, Elijah was a man just like us. If you don't know Elijah's story, Elijah, Elijah prayed for rain for or prayed for it to not rain for three and a half years, uh, and it didn't. And then he prayed, "Hey, I, I pray that it would start raining," and it did. This man prayed that it would stop. He, he prayed in a way that controlled the rain. He did a number of other amazing, crazy things. Read his stories, but James is saying Elijah was a man just like you and I. Elijah was a person just like us. And so when we pray, we don't have to just pray and hope something's happening, but we can pray with an anticipation of saying, I know God's listening. I know God's hearing and I'm trusting whatever his response is. We can sit with people and we can begin to pray for one another. Here's my prayer for us this morning. That the Holy Spirit would, would work inside of us in a way that we say, you know what, I'm, I'm done being fine. 
I'm done being just okay, just showing up and, 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 and hoping. Instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to know the Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in community. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do this in a way that I'm, I'm, I'm seeking out life to the full. I'm seeking out intimacy with Jesus to the full, not just a, I'm fine. It's my prayer for us this morning. And maybe someone in here this morning, you've never experienced that. If I were to ask you, hey, what was it like the first time you met Jesus? You'd be like, I don't know. I haven't met him. That's okay. Hey, 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 we're so, we're so glad you're here. That's why we do it. That's why we're here. What I give in my life to is, is wanting people to know Jesus. And so this morning, if that's you, so where you're saying, I've never known Jesus in this kind of way. I've never, I've never experienced Jesus in this kind of way. Then with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray a prayer over us. And if that's you this morning, then, then you can use my words and you can pray with me. Or you can use your own words. But here, here's the thing is, begin to focus and think about who you're praying to. And, and asking him to come into your heart. Jesus Lord, I need you. Here I am. I need you. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my God, to be my king. I give you my life. I ask that you would come into my life and change me from the inside out. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.